If you brought a copy of Scripture with you this morning, you can find on the... By the way, Happy New Year. I got ahead of myself here, okay? And uh, Matthew chapter 3. Go to Matthew chapter 3 as we continue in our series on the life of Christ. Did you enjoy that year-end video from 2021? If you want to know what God has been up to at Sayreville Church, that's just really, really appreciate. Appreciate Tanner Archer. We should give him a round of applause. He's back there. Uh, all the work he did putting that together. That tells you what we were doing throughout the year. Now, if you want to know what Jesus was doing from the age of 12, where we left off last week, to the age of 30, where he enters into his uh, ministry, good luck. Because there's a real gap there in the chronology. In fact, some people call it the lost years of Jesus. In fact, one comic said the reason why it's not recorded is because those were his rebellious years. (laughs) Not really, okay? I mean, seriously, there are accounts of him being in India, another account of him being in Britain, and yet another studying under the Essenes who were in, in the area of Qumran. And none of it is worth a second look. The Bible just doesn't tell us why. We have very little evidence of what was going on during that time. We have a little, we got a little slice, because when he was in Nazareth, in Mark chapter 6, teaching, and he's been healing, they are questioning amongst themselves and asking the question, is not this the carpenter? So with that, we know that that is what he was doing during those times, working, you know, no doubt with his dad uh, as a carpenter. Uh, Whatever he was up to, other than carpentry, Isaiah tells us he was an obscure man. There wasn't anything alluring about him. Uh, And really, the very first miracle he ever did on earth, the very first one, is recorded in John chapter 2, when he turns the water into wine. So otherwise, he's, he's incognito. Other than being perfect, he's incognito. With no rush uh, for recognition. And he sort of appears out of nowhere, uh, kind of makes a splash, literally, out of nowhere. And you can go there to Mark, or, or rather, uh, Matthew chapter 3. And here is, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna cut into the context of his baptism. We'll pick up the greater context as we go. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John. And to be baptized by him, John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you're coming to me? Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up out of the water. And behold, this is a very sacred moment because you have the entire Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit mentioned. It's one of those few verses where they're all mentioned together. Jesus comes out of the water, and behold, the heavens were open. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this would be Father God, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So you have the entire Trinity mentioned there. Very powerful. So I want, what I want to do during this time, this very first Sunday of the, of the new year, 2022, uh, look at Jesus' baptism and at least give a nod to his cousin John's ministry. And in so doing on this first Sunday, charge you to commit yourself to becoming more people, more like Jesus by speaking up 
more for Jesus in the coming year. I want you to lay that charge down at your feet today. Accept the charge in 2022 to being a voice, not a savior. Okay? Being a voice, not a savior. I mean, you can't look at Jesus' life really without looking at his second cousin John's life. Now, John the Baptist, we know from Luke chapter 1, is, was the son of Zechariah and Elizabeth. That makes him Jesus' second cousin, and he would have been in line to become a priest. God had radically different plans for John, right? And speaking of radical, there wasn't anybody more radical in the New Testament than John. I mean, you know, camels, clothing, and eating locusts, whatever, that's not my diet. Probably could use that one. But at any rate, right down to his clothing, he's radical. And he's, he's baptizing. The context here tells you he's baptizing in Jordan. Uh, a lot of experts believe that it's in the very area where the children of Israel crossed the Jordan, led by Joshua in the Old Testament. We don't know that for sure, but we know it was the lower part near the Dead Sea. If you've ever been there, I've been there three times, it's called the Dead Sea for a reason. It's dead, and that area is dead. It's foreboding. You don't go there to just chill out, okay? It's a, it's just, there hardly, there's hardly any population of people there. It's hardly a strategic location, but that's where John was baptizing. Uh, I was thinking about this because the Bible tells us that they were all coming out to him. Look at verse 5. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region of, about the Jordan were going out to him. So they're, 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 they're packing the hillside in a very desolate area. I don't know if you realize it, but Sailorville Church's physical location is not exactly strategically, you know, recognized. We got people writing books, doing demographics, shooting, you know, cutting videos and having conferences about the importance of demographics, where you plant the church, got to be people, got to be a populace. They might use the Apostle Paul as an example, rightly so. But not John. He's down in the lower end of the Jordan. I've been to this place. It's ugly. I mean, the water is even kind of muddy. But that's a different story. I, I thought about when I first pastored in Clarion, Iowa. Clarion, uh, would time, from time to time, for kicks and giggles, the fire department would burn a house down. And it didn't matter where you were in Clarion. It didn't matter where the house was being burned down. The whole city showed up for it. Everybody showed up. To watch the house go down. It reminded me of a professor of mine who used to say, don't worry about where God puts you. If you're on fire, people will travel to see you. And as we see, that's exactly what was happening here. And so when John comes out, he doesn't come out like Joel Osteen. He comes out swinging. Look at it says at the beginning of the chapter. He comes out. He's in the wilderness. That's where he's at. Repent, verse 2, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who is spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice. And we're talking about being a voice, not a savior here. A voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. And then he goes on to describe him. So John's ministry was so charismatic, he had to continuously tell people, I'm not the guy. I'm not the Christ. In fact, it says in Luke's gospel, as people were in expectation, 
And all were questioning in their heart concerning John whether he might be the Christ. And we already saw this a few weeks back in John chapter 1. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness of the light. That's our job, right? Not to be the light. We are the light of the world. Jesus does. It's, we, we are the many lights. We're the lights. God puts his light in us as a reflection of Christ. But Sailorville Church, God hasn't called you to save anybody, but to be a voice, to be a voice that speaks the gospel that does save. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Romans 1.16, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Amen? God wants us to be a voice. You say, well, I don't have your voice. It doesn't matter. Be a voice. I was at a wedding the other day. And yesterday, in fact, you know, bucking all the weather and all that stuff. And actually, it was pretty nice going down to where we went. But we did have to buck the weather going back. I'm at this wedding, and here was this very precious uh, widow. She was widowed nearly 20 years ago, part of our church for many years. Marrying a guy who had been a pastor for many years. He himself had been widowed a few years back. And, you know, so we could relate to that. My wife, Meryl, and I could relate to their story a little bit. And uh, that was one of the reasons we were asked, but also because I'd been her pastor for so many years. And, and, uh, but I also know, you know, when you, get, you put two people together who's had spouses that die, you put their kids together and all, there's, there could be some drama, okay? Just saying. And uh, so in the morning, I send the bride-to-be a text. Hey, do you want us to come early? You know, for the, I know you're having pictures. Do you want us to come early or do you want me to just show up at this time? Listen, here's the text. You decide. I have no voice. Okay, you have no voice. Uh, I'm, um, everything okay over there? Yeah, I mean, I literally have no voice. <laughs> she couldn't talk. She absolutely could not talk. She could barely whisper. So funny. It wasn't funny for a moment there, but... But though she literally had no voice, her making her public vow to her husband-to-be was so important that she took the microphone, we turned it up as much as we could, get, got, her, got it close to her lips so that with every effort she could make, she got it through the system to let everyone know she was totally committed to that new guy. So Sailorville Church, today, make a commitment to be a voice, not a savior, a messenger, not the message, okay? And secondly, make a commitment to presenting the star, not being the star. And we are living in a day where everybody wants a little stardom, a lot of narcissism going on, even in the in Christian realm. And when somebody ascends to being a star and aspires to being the star, they usually watch that star go down. John's popularity, John the Baptist's popularity was off the charts at this time. But now Jesus comes along and he's stealing his thunder. And it, John's not concerned, but his disciples are. In John chapter 3, here's how the apostle John records it. It says this in verse 26. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, he's baptizing Everybody's going to him. We're losing our congregation. 
we got to up our game here. I mean, they're concerned about it. But John, on the other hand, was willing to lose his congregation to somebody else. By the way, everybody has to do that eventually. John realized it. And uh, that's why the more famous verse is in that context. He must increase, I must decrease. John also understood his limitations of his life and his ministry. He understood what Paul would later write when he said, what do you have that you've not, what, received? It was given to you, right? Here's how John puts it in verse 27 in the same context. He said this, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it's given him from heaven. Can I get an amen? You yourselves bear witness to me that I said I'm not the Christ, for crying out loud. That could have been in there, but I think he got tired of saying that after a while. But I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. Here's what John was saying. I'm just the best man at the wedding. Now, the best man at the wedding is a pretty cool guy, right? He's pretty cool. He's up there. He's prominent. And, you know, he's gonna, he's gonna, he gets a little limelight, but not much. His job is to present the bridegroom, the couple, right? And then get out of the way, which is exactly what John understood. His ministry was meteoric. It was even shorter lived than Jesus. John was a presenter. That's what we need to be, presenting the star. Don't be the star. Thirdly, and finally, as a challenge to you today, Accept this charge to be a voice, not a savior, to present the star. Don't be the star. And finally, identifying with Jesus, not yourself. Are you willing to do that? Half the problem in our world today with all of the depression, and I'm not blaming all this on every depression on this, but all the anxieties that people are experiencing, half the problem even Christians are experiencing is you find your identity in something else. You find it in your personality. You find it in your job. You find it in your giftedness. You find it in your spouse. You find it in your kids. You might even find it in your church. I'm telling you, all those things, you're going down. Find your identity in Jesus. So this, is, this takes us to where I read at the beginning, the baptism of Jesus, this sacred text whereby he's baptized, the Father speaks from heaven, the Spirit of God descends like a dove. But it does beg the question, why was Jesus baptized? Baptism was a symbol then as it is today. And it symbolized two things, cleansing and identification. Cleansing and identification. Baptism was a Jewish ritual long before it ever became a Christian ritual. In fact, if you were, if you were a non-Jew and you wanted to become a Jew, you wanted to become a proselyte to Judaism, you had to do three things. Everyone had to do three things. Well, two of the three anyway. If you, were, if you wanted to become a Jew you would have to be taught by a scribe. If you were a man, you'd have to be circumcised. 
and everyone would have to get baptized to become a Jew. And so, even if you were a Jew and you wanted to go into the temple, or if you were a Jew and you had defiled yourself, let's say you touched a dead body, you would have to be bat- you'd have to go into the, the mikvah. That's what the Hebrews call the we call it the baptismal, the mikvah. Here's one right here. I was in this on our very first trip to Israel. Some of you will remember this. And, it's, and there were several of these right outside the temple. Right outside the temple. Let me tell you, you didn't get sprinkled in one of these things. That's total immersion you're looking at. Praise God there wasn't any water that, at that time. But, and by the way, this, this is probably one of the very baptismals, mikvahs, where the 3,000 were baptized on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Just a little trivia there. Anyway, so John comes baptizing using the very symbol of cleansing they would already be very familiar with, stressing the very thing they tended to forget, and you and I do as well, that this was to be a heart thing before it was to be a physical thing. Just the other day, a little girl in our church came to me, very sincere, and she said, Pastor Pat, I want to be baptized. She seemed, she was very sweet, and for all I could tell, very sincere. But I'm not her dad. And I alluded to her parents, alluded to one of our other elders. But have you noticed, if you've been here for any amount of time, you notice we don't baptize many really, really young people, do we? Now, we do. We're not opposed to it. And from time to time, we do baptize younger people. However, we never baptize somebody whose motivation is it, you know, that it would be cool. This is a sign. Baptism is a sign that says I am publicly dedicating my life to Jesus Christ. And it is assuming that the new creation work of God is already at work in your life. And there's change in your actions. There's changes in your attitude. It's already in play. And this is the reason John says, if you go back to the context, he's baptizing people. They're confessing their sins at the end of verse 6. And verse 7 says, when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, the more the merrier. Come on in. The water feels great. What does he say? This doesn't sound like Joel Osteen, by the way. You brood of vipers, who warns you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with what? Repentance. Clearly, John wasn't just letting everybody jump into the pool. Parents. Parents of kids. Especially little kids who are interested in the gospel, keep talking. Keep the conversation going. Don't put them off. Don't be like those who put off the kids who tried to come to Jesus who said, let the little children come to me. Don't forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. But on the other hand, don't manipulate them. Don't put words into their mouth. Don't say, hey, okay, Johnny, pray this prayer. That's a cult. You're, You're creating your own little cult when you do that. Nobody gets saved by just praying a prayer, okay? Let's get that straight. Nobody gets saved by just praying a prayer. 
If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that's when you're saved. And your child, it doesn't matter how young they are, they have to understand the doctrine of substitution to some degree. They've got to understand that Christ died in their place, and if they don't, they're not ready to be saved. But even children have to understand the enormity of what they're doing when they get baptized. They are identifying with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And this is how the Apostle Paul put it. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I what? I what? I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's very personal, is it not? And that's what a person who gets baptized is confessing. It doesn't matter how old, young or old you are. Now, parents, back to you talking to your little ones. No one knows the motives of your kids like you. Proverbs 20.11 says that in essence. Child's known by his doings. Have you ever read that? No one knows your kid like you do. They can't. You say, well, I can't see their heart. You come pretty close. I'll tell you that right now. And when they're ready, we'll dunk them. But not until then. Now, that still begs the question as to why Jesus was baptized. He didn't do it for cleansing. didn't do it to represent cleansing because he didn't need to be cleansed, right? And who would he be identifying with? Well, we're going to find out. He didn't need to repent, didn't need to symbolize his cleansing. And John seems to have realized that. Do you see that in verse 14? John would have prevented him. Not just get somebody else to do it, but you, you don't need this. I need, I need to be baptized by you. And now this is where Jesus has answered, though it seems vague, comes in. He says, permit this. Look at verse 15. Look at it again. Here's what it says. Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Now listen carefully. When we get baptized... We identify with Jesus, amen? His death, burial, resurrection. When Jesus got baptized, he identified with you. We love him because he what? Say it. First loved us. We choose him because he first what? Chose us. And we identify with him because he first identified with us. Praise the Lord. We couldn't take on Jesus' righteousness, which is what we so desperately need, until he had taken on our humanity. All represented when he got baptized. It's as if, it was, this, it was as if the declaration that Jesus was making when he got baptized, it was as if he was saying, as God-man, I am publicly identifying with humanity from whom I came to die. But when we get baptized, we are declaring, as a sinner, I am publicly identifying with Jesus for whom I intend to live, right? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live, I live 
by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And this is what Paul meant when he said, it's the love of Christ that compels me. He uses the word means to be pressed down. It presses me on. For we have concluded that if one died for all, then all died, so that those who live, watch this, those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again. Hallelujah. That's what we're saying when we get baptized. I'm in. I'm in it to win it for Jesus in life. Some of you say, well, (laughs) I didn't know all that, but I've already been baptized. Let me ask you this. Are you still openly, boldly confessing him, witnessing of him, identifying with him? Are you doing that? I mean, just the other day at our Christmas event, our brothers all came together, cousins, brothers-in-laws, and we were down up in Waterloo, and I have one very bold brother-in-law. I love this guy, but he's a smart aleck. And as I was leaving, he came up, put his arm around me, he said, Pat, great to see you like it always is. Still waiting for you to come back to the mothership where you can confess your sins and get your heart right with God. And I I got half half my families listening to this. So I said, you know, I appreciate your sentiments. I said, but I already have a great high priest who's told me I can come boldly to the throne of grace and have mercy and grace in my time of need. So I don't need yours. Thanks anyway. (laughs) Look, even comedians have figured out how to make their audiences bust out in laughter by impersonating some Christian's feeble attempt to share Jesus. Many of you know this guy, but here's one of them. I do want everyone to feel comfortable. That's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. He, he better not. It doesn't matter if you're religious or not. Does anything make you feel more uncomfortable than some stranger going, I'd like to talk to you about Jesus? Yeah, I'd like you not to. Oh, come on and laugh. You'd laugh any other time. That is funny. That is just funny. And by the way, I've seen some witnessing that's pretty laughable, but we won't go into that right now. I mean, the comedians have even figured out how to make jokes out of this, but are we not here to be fools for Jesus? Are we not here to be willing to be shamed for the gospel's sake? Or are we not? I'm laying down a commitment to you, a charge to you, to make Jesus boldly known wherever you are. So when Jesus came out of the water, having been baptized by John, when he came up out of the water, having identified with us, God wasn't peeved. He was pleased. And he said so. Look at it again. This is my beloved son. I'm pleased with him. Is he pleased with you? Do you know you can know if he's pleased with you before you meet him and hear those words. Jesus himself said in Matthew 10, 32, he who confesses me before men, him will I confess before my Father who's in heaven. When you brag about Jesus on earth, he brags about you in heaven. How cool is that? That's his promise. 
As Father God was pleased with his son who identified with us, so the son is pleased with you when you identify with him. So Sailorville Church, will you commit to stop making so many things about you and start making all things about Jesus in 2022? For some of you are watching online, it means you've, you've got to come to a place where you really repent, like John said. Turn from your sin. You place your faith in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and be saved once and for all. For some of you, it means obeying him in baptism. He identified with you. Will you identify with him? That's what you're talking about here. And for those of you who've been saved, you've been baptized, by living for him, by identifying with him in the moment, whatever moment that might be. It might be out in a restaurant where you're willing to pray. I'm not talking about being obnoxious or odd, but just praying, just acknowledging your love for God and your, great, your gratefulness to him. It, it might mean if you're in school, you don't laugh at the dirty joke. You, I mean, you don't become a, you know, you don't become a snob and just, you know, be careful. It just means you don't enter into this stuff. Sometimes by not doing something, you're confessing Jesus. Because I, I, I'll, I'll tell you right now, the, the kids around you or your workers around, they know. They know whether you're the real deal or not. It means, how about by making a commitment today, during the communion time even, to publicly be willing to speak up for Jesus when he gives you the opportunity. And please, I'm not just talking about on social media. I'm not against social media witnessing, but if you never witnessed to somebody face-to-face and you only posted on social media, you're a coward. Just stop it. Stop it right now. But take what you do on social media, make it real in your life. God will bless you. He'll brag about you. And you'll be off to a great start in 2022. Are you with us, Sailorville Church? Let's pray. God, as we prepare ourselves for the Lord's table, we realize we're about to take some symbols that are very, that very much show us how committed you are have been to us. I pray that this would be a day where we commit ourselves to you afresh. I pray for those who have known you in this room, watching online. They've known you. They've even identified with you in, in believer's baptism. But the ongoing confession, maybe not so much. I pray for those who are who have lives that are not a witness. They would be They might hear the words of John, you brood of vipers. Uh, If that's you, dear friend, would you confess any sin like someone earlier did today? A a grievous sin. They just became a Christian, but they're going to walk away from a grievous sin. It was a wonderful thing and a real testimony to your work in her life. Maybe that's you, and you'd say, Lord, there's an area in my life I need to deal with, and I need to deal with it now so that I might be a clearer testimony for you. Would you just acknowledge that? during this time? Maybe you are one who would say, I I need to publicly confess my faith in baptism. Would you make a commitment to do that in 2022? And if you don't know Jesus, come to know him. He loves you. He doesn't have to prove that anymore. He identified with you in his baptism.
And then he died for you on the cross. And then victoriously rose from the grave. Would you trust him today that you might have eternal life? And now, Lord, as we make, give our attention in these last few moments to your table. May we hold these sacred symbols in our hands, those of us who partake. May we hold these sacred symbols in our hands, mindful of what you have done for us, Lord Jesus, and grateful in our remembrance. We pray in, in your name. Amen.